Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Down the block. Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. This afternoon, it's been a long awaited. We've been putting off for a couple of days, bit going on and whatnot. But we're going to dive into our most underrated halves of all time. Now, we've done each position in the back line. It has been sensational. Fullbacks, wingers, centers have had so much fun with it. And I decided that halves, I would just combine sevens and sixes. So many of these guys are going to cross over on each other. Even a lot of like utility guys that I find are quite often incredibly underrated have come across a lot of these positions. I mean, Sean Berrigan, we've heard this name a couple of times. Craig Wing, we're going to hear this one a few times. Scotty Hill's going to be another one we're going to hear a little bit. And today, I've decided to do seven or eight guys because I am doing the two positions. Normally, I've just done six. I've thrown you in a couple of extras here and uh, all been suggested by you guys on the Rugby League Guru podcast listeners page, which today hit 500 listeners, which is extremely exciting uh, to get the community up to 500 people. Sensational to see. If there is anyone else listening, I can see by the listens there's a lot more than 500 that follow the podcast. So if you have Facebook, come jump over to the group on Facebook, Rugby League Guru podcast listeners. Come and join the conversation. Get your name mentioned like some of the legends will today. A lot of fantastic suggestions. And as always, we're going to kick off with uh, some of the guys that were mentioned that I'm not going to go too deep on, but a number of notable mentions here, sensational players. Kevin Walters, Sean Berrigan, Scotty Hill, who we had on the podcast, Craig Wing, Joe Williams, another guy we've spoken to that we're going to have on the pod at some point over the next few months. Matty Head, old Dragons player, Matt Head. Aiden Caesar, still playing over there in England. Uh, burst on the scene at Canterbury and at the Titans was unreal. Kane Elgie, another very talented guy that probably didn't quite live up to what we thought he would. And there's a couple of guys in our list today that fall into that category. Uh, Brett Kenny and Peter Sterling, I completely back this 100%. I've spoken about both these guys on a number of occasions, so I've got them in the notables. But I think Brett Kenny especially... Uh, just such a gifted and talented player. And Sturlow, the first guy to really turn rugby league into chess, he was always two and three plays ahead of what was happening. Trent Barrett was a pretty common one. A lot of people threw up Baz, obviously coaching Canterbury at the moment. I think he gets the rough end of the stick, to be honest with you. Trent Barrett, a sensational player, really strong ball runner with a great kicking game as well. And of course, Preston Campbell, who's featured already. I think we spoke about him as as far as fullbacks went. Um, Yeah, Preston Campbell, a sensational player. Obviously, the 2001 uh, Dally M medalist there, a great player, Presto, obviously one in 03 with the Penrith Panthers as well, and then became one of, if not the face of the Gold Coast Titans, a uh, champion player. Now, speaking of faces of the Gold Coast Titans, we're going to kick off with our first man we're taking a deep dive on, and this comes from Tyrese Gibbons and Zach Haig. Thanks for sending this one in. Champions love this suggestion. It is Scotty Prince. Now, Prince's career, I think people forget that this guy played 300 games of football across a number of clubs. Just going through his career, 
Debuted in 1998 for the North Queensland Cowboys. Stayed there until the year 2000. I think he had a broken leg in that time. At the end of the 2000 season, he moved to the Brisbane Broncos, who, of course, had just won the premiership in the year 2000. Stayed there from 01 to 03, and I believe in this time he had two broken legs. He definitely had two or three broken legs before he arrived at the Tigers. So a lot of injury setbacks to overcome, and... You know, obviously, a guy from Queensland, a kid from up there, he's played for every single franchise up there. I mean, incredible to play for the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the Titans. I'm not sure how many other guys would have done that. And he played 40-plus games at all those clubs, so incredibly impressive. But, of course, 2004, Scott Prince arrives at the West Tigers. Not a great season. Uh, They win eight from his 21 games in 2004. So not overly impressive. The current captain of the West Tigers is Mark O'Neill, their enforcer in the back row, a sensational bloke who played. He actually played 100 games for the Balmain Tigers and 100-plus games for the West Tigers. So not many guys that would have done that for the West Tigers, I don't think, without having the records in front of me. I think Mark O'Neill would be one of the only ones. So a really fair choice to be the captain of the West Tigers. And, of course, 2005 rolls around. Uh, It's 04 and 03, this young kid emerges Benji Marshall and it's still Scott Prince he's steering the ship and you've got to remember Princey you know he's still very young himself and especially experience wise he's very young he hasn't he hasn't played 100 games of first grade yet even though he's been playing for a number of years uh, with a lot of injuries and whatnot he hasn't played 100 games of first grade they kick off the 05 season with a spine of Robbie Farrar, who, I mean, this is 2005. Robbie Farrar only retired a couple of years ago, so you can imagine how young he was, Farrar. Benji Marshall, who was 18, 19 years old. Uh, Scott Prince, who, you know, had been around the NRL for a couple of years but hadn't played a heap of footy. And Brett Hodgson, who, to Brett Hodgson's credit, he'd been around for a little bit. He'd come from that Parramatta Eels side. He'd almost tasted victory there. Uh, he'd played State of Origin as well, but... You wouldn't really say Brett Hodgson was the one of the top-tier fullbacks in our game. He's probably in the top six or seven, but you wouldn't have put him alongside, you know, your Anthony Minicello's, your Darren Lockyer's, these sort of fellas. So a spine that, you know, many wouldn't have predicted them to have this success, and most didn't, let's be perfectly honest here. They were 500-1 to one to win the premiership uh, in this season, and... Um, to win it in 05 was unbelievable, and I think I think it's part of the narrative that people forget. I think, and and I see it on Instagram all the time, and I caused a bit of a stir when I spoke about it a few months ago, talking about Benji. I think that 05 season, we all remember the Benji flick in the grand final. We all remember the Benji unbelievable tries to Shark Park, where he stepped three or four guys through the no look cutout pass to the sideline, and you know Benji, he was unbelievable in in this season. He was incredible, but I think we all forget the role that Scott Prince played for this team. Benji didn't really kick much. It was all Scott Prince. He got them to the parts of the field. He opened up Benji Marshall for a lot of his attacking strides. He, you know, he was their entire kicking game. He was their voice on the field. You've got to remember, Mark O'Neill was the captain of this side, and at one point, he has an elbow injury. He's going to miss 12 weeks of footy. This is about round six or so, so he's going to be well and truly back for NRL finals, even though at this point, I mean, no one's really expecting the West Tigers to play finals. And Tim Sheens, he's got a decision to make, and... He's got to choose who's going to be his skipper for the 05 season, and he gives it to Scott Prince. Now, as I said, Scott Prince, he was there in 04. They won eight from 21 games. He's broken his leg three times. He's bounced around. He's at his third club already. He's not even... He's he's like 25 years old. He's at his third club. He's given the captaincy, and, you know, the West Tigers, they get on a roll. They're starting to surprise people, but... We've seen so many teams get on a really good roll and come from nowhere and do unbelievable things. Not many of them go on to win the premiership. Not many at all. And you look at their side, I mean, it it was built 
two years in advance, Tim Shane's he'd started all of this ball movement, all of these incredible things where so many things had to go their way for it to work. And it did. And the players all brought into it. They all understood their role. They all played their role. And Scott Prince, he was the man steering the ship. He really was. And I think people forget that Mark O'Neill came back. As I said, this is a guy that played 100 games for the Balmain Tigers, 100 games for the West Tigers. At the start of the preseason, he was the first choice captain. Tim Sheens, who, I mean, this is no slouch. This is Tim Sheens. He's coached these Canberra Raiders sides that were unbelievable. He's had Mal Meninga, Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Brad Clyde, some of the greatest players we've ever seen. He's coached some of the greatest teams we've ever seen. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he makes the decision... I'm going to leave the captaincy with Princey. I'm not going to give it to Mark, back to Mark O'Neill. And, of course, Prince, he goes on to be the Dallium captain of the year. They win the premiership. And I think people forget, he was the Clive Churchill medalist in that game. He was the best on the field by far and away. Did Marshall come up with the most entertaining play of the night? For sure. Is it the moment we remember the 05 Grand Final for? For sure. No question about it. But, mate, go back and watch that game and see how influential Scott Prince was. This is Scott Prince after... You know, 120, even less, first-grade games, captain of a club. Mark O'Neill walks back in, the former captain, and he sticks it with Scott Prince. Simply incredible from Princey. They won that grand final, and Scott Prince, he was unbelievable. I don't think they win that game. I don't think they win that premiership without Benji, but they also definitely don't win it without Scott Prince. I think he was the most influential player in that team, and it wasn't even close for me. I think we all... Benji Marshall's one of those guys that he changed culture and he affected everything and we hold him in such high regard. But you've got to understand the role that Scott Prince played in that side. 300 games in his career. Of course, 2007 rolls around. Well, 2006 rolls around and Scott Prince signs with the Gold Coast Titans for the next season. He stays there from 07 to 2012. We already mentioned Preston Campbell as one of the faces. For me, I'll always consider Scott Prince as the Titans face. And for me right now, I always thought he was their best player. It was unbelievable those few seasons. I often wonder where this Titans bunch would be without Scott Prince because he gave them so much success early. You've got to remember 2010. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, he got them to a prelim final. They'd only been around for three years in the biggest black hole for sport in Australia. He got them one game short of a grand final, which was simply incredible. And I mean, you go back and you have a look at at his entire career. He finished with a 44% win rate. Now, can I just remind you, like, like, that's under 50%. I get it. But he was at the North Queensland Cowboys, who were completely irrelevant before the year 2004, realistically. He then went to the Broncos, didn't play a heap of footy there because he was injured. He then arrived at the West Tigers, who, I'm sorry, they were woeful when he arrived there. He turned them around very quickly. He then went to a new franchise. Still had a winning record there. Unbelievable. And then he went to the Broncos in 13, who weren't overly successful either. So for him to get anywhere near a 50% win rate, I think it's an incredible effort from Scott Prince. I think he's one of the most underrated players we've ever seen. Obviously played for Australia, played for Queensland as well. Came through in that Queensland dynasty of just unbelievable players. The beginning of the eight in the row. Uh, so very hard to get a gig as a halfback or a 5'8 in that Queensland team, but still managed to play a few games. But 05, that's the season we'll always remember Princey for. I don't think we remember him for it enough, though, to be honest with you. So just keep it in mind next time you're talking about that 05 final. Give some credit to Scott Prince because he was the linchpin in that side. Fantastic suggestion there from Tyrese Gibbs and Zach Haig, one of my favourite players ever, Princey. Our next one comes from Jesse Redenbach. Jesse's always got great suggestions here. And, of course, the man that he throws up, he's been on our podcast. He was on our podcast, started last year. It was a sensational interview. I absolutely loved this one. Bit of a different cut, but I loved it. Tim Smith. Now, Tim Smith, I mean, we only really remember him for that one season, 2005, at the Parramatta Eels, but... 
I mean, he did go on to play a number of years at Parramatta wearing the seven jersey. I mean, we spoke earlier today about how much pressure that comes with. And Timmy, he was probably too young and too successful to be able to handle that. And he sort of says it himself. He went to the Sharks with Ricky Stewart, didn't go overly well there, ended up over in England. And it was a career that never really lived up to what it should be. Probably the greatest what could have been realistically, Tim Smith. But... Obviously, Jesse is referring to that 05 season. I completely agree. He was the rookie of the year. The Parramatta finished. Eels finished in the top four. An unbelievable season. And now I just spoke about 05 with Scott Prince. For me, if you got me to list the four best teams in 2005, I mean, I probably have the Dragons and the Parramatta Eels one and two and then the West Tigers. I know they went on to win the premiership, so that might sound crazy, but the Eels of 05 and the Dragons of 05, these were two unreal footy sides. And Tim Smith... He played 26 games in 2005. He had 40 try assists, yeah? 40 try assists in 26 games. And just remind yourself, of course, that this isn't 2021 where attacking footy is just on fire and there are 40 points scored every week by teams. This is 2005. It's a completely different style of football. And just for a bit of context, we've all seen how well Nathan Cleary's going. He's in a team that has lost what three games of footy. Him himself, he's lost two games of footy in two years or something incredible. He's in career-best form right now. He's got 14 tri-assists from 12 games. So if you double that, he's 28 tri-assists from 24 games. Yeah? Tim Smith had 40 in 26 games in an era that wasn't as pushed towards attacking footy as it is now. Simply incredible. You look at Tom Travojevic, his form at the moment is astronomical in this era of scoring points. And right now, his ratio is better than Tim Smith. He's got 15 tri-assists from eight games. So he's going pretty much to a game at the moment, but it's not far off where Tim Smith was in an era where you weren't seeing high-scoring games like you are now. I think we underrate Tim Smith and what he did that season incredibly. A fantastic suggestion there from Jesse Redenback and a guy that I was lovely to have it on the podcast, a sensational bloke. His wife, Renee, is a sensational lady as well. Had a great time communicating with them. And yeah, I wish we would have seen more of Tim Smith. I feel like I was robbed as a footy fan not seeing the career of Tim Smith properly unfold. Now, the next one. Suggested by Michael, Ray, and Mark Munro. Cheers, boys. And uh, another guy that's actually featured on the podcast, as you all know, I'm a big fan of talking to halves. So to get Brent Sherwin on, Shifty was sensational. We had him on at the end of last year, and good goal. We had a great chat. A champion player, Shifty. I've got a lot of time for him. Obviously, a Canterbury Bulldogs great. Played 191 games there, and I highly advise, if you haven't already, go back and have a listen to that podcast with Shifty. Um, Very open, very honest, very raw fella was well aware of where he's placed in the game. I, you know, I must have called him underrated or underappreciated 25 times in that podcast, and I could just see him rolling his eyes every time. You know, he just hates it. He just loves being who he is, Shifty. Obviously, earned the name Shifty because he could just do things that other blokes couldn't. Yeah, he's just an absolute champion of telling a lie with the football, and it's disguising what he's doing all the time that he was so good at and playing off the top of his head. And it was one of these Canterbury sides that, yes, they play with structure, but built into their structure was just getting shifty good ball at good times and allowing him to do his thing. An incredible player and obviously debuted in 99, uh, came through the system under Terry Lamb. We spoke to him about that. Uh, came through and sort of took the jersey off Ricky Stewart once Ricky Stewart retired. And, you know, when, when Ricky Stewart retires, you sort of think, geez, we're in trouble for a seven. But Brent Sherwin just stepped up and was unbelievable. That was 1999. I think it was 2001 Ricky plays his last game. 02. Canterbury go unbelievably. He's playing alongside Daryl Trindle and Braithen Astor in that side, so learn a lot from Tricky as well. A young Braithen Astor, and 
2002, they go un- un- unbeaten for, I think, 17 games in a row. They then lose their points off the salary cap. Just a couple of years later, two years later, Shifty, they return to the, the grand final and they win it that night against their arch rivals, the Sydney Roosters, who, of course, won it in 2002 when they lost all their points. So sort of like the grand final that was written f- from above, you know. It was simply incredible. And Shifty was great in that grand final, laid on a couple of tries, laid on one for Hazmel Masri that really broke this game open. Um, a sensational player, Shifty, a guy that, I never played Origin or never played any test football, but was in that 2004 Premiership side, was crucial in it, played 26 games that season. Um, and for me, had one of the best short kicking games I've ever seen. I mean, if you give the Brent Show and the ball on the last tackle in the red zone, 20 metres out, I mean, you are going to get a force drop out or a try eight times out of 10. He was an absolute freak. There are guys with better kicking games. But specifically looking at a short kicking game, for me, I think Sherwin's got the best I've ever seen. Thurston, Joey, right up there. Nathan Cleary at the moment has to be up there as well. But, you know, Adam Reynolds as well, no doubt about that. But I reckon Shifty, considering when he was playing and the sort of footballs they were using compared to the footballs they use now, I still put Shifty right up there at the very top of them. I think one story that really stood out for me when I was talking to Brent Sherwin was about the day that he had to leave Canterbury. Uh, It sort of came from nowhere. He sent a text around to the boys, and he reckons that within an hour, there was a knock on his door. He opened it, and it was Sonny Bill Williams with a case of beer. Sonny Bill Williams has obviously gone on to be one of the greatest athletes our planet has ever seen, in my opinion, Uh, whether it's league, union, boxing, whatever it might be. Just been a champion and everything. Has become a worldwide brand within himself. And for Brent Sherwin to mean this much to this guy, for him to see that he's leaving his footy club and go and grab a case of beer and go straight to his house, I think it says something about him. Obviously, the Sonny Bill Williams that we know now, very different character, wouldn't be going around getting a case of beer anymore, but that was the sort of guy he used to be. And that's how much shift he meant to him. I think it says a lot. So Brent Sherwin, a sensational suggestion there from Michael Ray and Mark Munro. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I highly advise you go back and have a, have another listen to that one. A sensational one. We might even re-upload that one this weekend for people that want to have a listen to it. Um, a sensational one, Brent Sherwin. The next one comes from Josh Dean and Brett McDonald, one of my favourite players players ever coming up here it is of course Bones James Maloney um wow this career like very few we've ever seen a real culture changer sort of guy this fellow but you couldn't have him for more than two or three years because he'd do everyone's head in Uh, everyone I talk to sort of says that once you hit that three or four year mark with with James Maloney you've heard all the jokes you've seen all the pranks you've been around the block enough it's enough but he will provide for you on the field consistently. So James Maloney, just a little reminder going through his career. I mean, people forget 2009, he plays three games for the Melbourne Storm. Now, I often speak about when guys leave Melbourne, they tend not to improve too much. I think James Maloney, you know, outside of sort of GI, Widdop, a couple of other guys, um, you look over at the Warriors at the moment, Tohu Harris, James Maloney, he might be the most improved guy to leave the Melbourne Storm. I definitely think he's the most improved guy in a spine to ever leave there and get better. You could argue GI, but fuck, GI was pretty damn good in Melbourne. I mean, he probably improved at South Sydney, but I don't think he improved as much as James Maloney did. He went from not being wanted there, going to the Warriors, playing three seasons there, taking them to a grand final, which was just about unheard of. They've only been to two grand finals since 95. One of them was with James Maloney with Sean Johnson next to him in his first season of first grade. Pretty crazy there, obviously coached by Ivan Cleary there. And look, Jimmy, look that New Zealand side of the grand final 11. It's during the 2011 season, the Sydney Roosters actually signed him. They signed him like 18 months in advance. I think this is something that people forget, that the Roosters signed him, I believe, before 
he took them to the 2011 Grand Final. So the Chooks could see it already. They dove on it. That's what the Roosters do best, recruitment. He arrives at the Sydney Roosters 2013, along with a guy that we just told a story about, Sonny Bill Williams, with Michael Jennings as well, with Trent Robinson as well. You've got to remember, these three guys, they walked into this team. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. And they also walked in with a new coach, Trent Robinson, who... You know, we obviously now respect greatly, but he was a guy that he hadn't really achieved too much yet. He'd been a reserve-grade coach in a couple of systems. He'd been an assistant coach in a couple of systems. He'd been over in England. He'd done well there. But that's not always a great barometer for how guys are going to go in first grade. And, of course, they win the 2013 Premiership. Unbelievable. James Maloney played such a crucial role in that grand final. It's not even funny. I thought his second half, him and Sonny Bill Williams... They were unbelievable in that second half against Manly Seagulls. An incredible effort from Jimmy. He then moved to the Cronulla Sharks. And, uh, of course, his first season there. Cronulla Sharks win their first premiership in 50 years. They've been in a couple of grand finals, including the Super League. They had a couple of replay grand finals in the 70s. One or two, I think. Um, But, yeah, Jimmy walked into this system, turned it around straight away. And he's one of the missing pieces that I talk about with this team that they needed. was Jimmy. One of them was Ben Barber, and the other one was Mick Ennis for me. But Jimmy, I think he was the most important one right next to uh, Michael Ennis, to be honest with you. But Jimmy, just a sensational footballer. Obviously went on to go to the Panthers after that and, you know, left the Panthers in 2019, sort of handed the keys to Nathan Cleary. This is why he's bringing on guys like Nathan Cleary, like Jerome Luai, like, um, like Matty Burton. And, of course, since he's left, I mean, he left these guys with a fantastic apprenticeship and... As I said the other day, what they've lost three, four games of football since he's left. I mean, you've got to give some credit to what James Maloney did there. And I think that, obviously, the Ivan Cleary connection, he knew what Jimmy was about from working with him at the Warriors, brought him to the Panthers. I think it was a sensational effort. Um, so, obviously, 2011 Grand Final, 13 won the Premiership, 16 won the Premiership, 14 games, three games at the Kangaroos. Just an unbelievable player, Jimmy. A guy I've got all the time in the world for. A sensational suggestion there from Josh Dean and Brett McDonald. Uh, Wow, Jimmy Maloney, what a career. Unbelievable. Funniest bloke in the world, too, off the field. I mean, provided so much entertainment for us fans for so many years. At times, I always thought, geez, he'd be fun to get on the beers with. But then at other times, I think, good God, he would be a pest, though. It would be a lot. So, Jimmy, sensational bloke. Did a lot off the field as well, James Maloney. I think that's sort of part of his career that we overlook. But fantastic career, two premierships, state of origin games. And I think the origin games as well, something that we overlook is that you know, Jimmy was always one of those guys. There's a moment in, in one of the games, and I can't, you, you guys might know better than me, I can't remember the exact dates, but he throws an intercept and Val Holmes goes a length. And you know, For most people, and I speak about this a lot, that would rattle the hell out of them. They would think, my God, I've just thrown this game away. We saw Ricky Stewart do it in 1990, threw the intercept to lose the game for the team and then found a way to fight his way back. And Jimmy was that same sort of character. He could make you know, nine mistakes in a row and not be afraid to make the 10th. And I think that's what makes players so dangerous. It's one of the most lethal things that you can have in rugby league, in my opinion. Jimmy, a champion player, legend of our game, in my opinion. Incredibly underrated. As much as people think he probably is rated, I still think he's underrated for what he achieved. Winning premierships is so hard. Getting to grand finals is so hard. 
to do it with three teams as a 5'8", and playing the role that he did, just how controlling he was, to play in three grand finals in, what, six years? Unbelievable. Two premierships in six years with two different clubs. One of them being the first premiership they've won in 50 years. The other one being the first premiership they've won in 10 years. Incredible from Jimmy. Our next one comes from Elijah Tippenay. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, brother. And he suggests Adam Dykes. Now, Dykes, I actually saw him a couple of weeks ago. He was down at my, my team was playing at Waverley Oval down there in Bondi. And uh, after us was the Jersey Flag Cronulla team was playing, I believe it was. And I'm pretty sure Dykes must coach or he's got something to do with that side because I saw him down there. Uh, still looks fit as a fiddle, just quality. Still looks like he could go around. A guy that played 221 first-grade games between the Cronulla Sharks and the Parramatta Eels. Made his debut with the Sharks in 1995. Uh, played there until 2001, then made the move to the Eels. Now, obviously, joined that Eels side in 02. That was after they had that unbelievable season and somehow lost that grand final. Simply incredible. Played there until 04, and then returned to the Sharkies from 05 to 07. 221 games, 58 tries. It's like one try every four games. A pretty good knock, and... I always loved his running game, Dykes. He had a brilliant running game, great kicking game as well, and a guy that was just always willing to to back himself, essentially. I love that about guys. And I think the thing that I'll always remember about Dykes is just whenever he scored, the celebrations were unreal. Yeah, it wasn't like backflips or special try celebrations. You could just see the energy that he brought to his team when he scored a try. He was happy to have the ball in his hands when the game was on the line, Dykes. He, a guy that I think he played one game of City Country. I don't think he ever played State of Origin. I don't think he ever played for the Kangaroos, but a true clubman for a long time. To play 220 games is a sensational effort. If you go on YouTube, there's actually an Adam Dykes highlights package. For any of the, the younger fans or younger listeners that don't remember Dykes, he, go and have a look. He was quite a talented player. Sort of, He's one of those guys that if you if you got all the shar, all, all the 5'8s from the NRL in any of those seasons said, hey, who, who's the most talented? Who's the top 10? Who's the most talented? Who's the quickest? Who's the best? Everything. You probably wouldn't put Dykes on any of them, but he just always showed up. He always performed well. I'll probably always remember him for having a great combo with one Preston Campbell. Some of the stuff they were able to do was incredible. He also had a great combination with David uh, David Cam- David Campisi, David Peachy. They always had, had a brilliant combo as well, but probably the one that stands out is him and Brett Kamali. They were a brilliant halves combination. I, th- I think that they were a real yin and yang sort of combo that always worked really well together, especially for the Sharkies. Elijah, thank you for sending that one in, brother. Big fan of Dykesy. Uh, and as I said, go on YouTube, type up Adam Dykes highlights and watch that clip. It is really good. It's about 12 minutes. I think it's every trial from his career. Might be all 58 of them, but a sensational little watch there. He, geez, he could throw a ball too. Used to love playing into the teeth of the defense. This is what I loved about him and BK. They really played into the line. It was really dangerous back in the you know 2000s there. Okay, our next one comes from Brett McDonald. Geez, he's thrown up a couple of suggestions here, Brett. Now, he has thrown up Matty Orford, the Ox. Matty Orford, wow. A sensational player now. Made his debut for the Eagles in 2000, then made his way down to the Melbourne Storm from 01 to 05. And I think people forget just how good Orford was during this period. The Melbourne Storm, like obviously 06 is when we talk about this real dynasty starting this new team down in Melbourne. Uh, Well, they obviously won a premiership in 99, but 06 is when that new sort of era starts. And it was the year after Ox left. And, you know, he sort of plays a special part in history because... He left in 05. They weren't expecting him to leave. And I remember talking to Brett Finch about this, and he sort of said that Bellamy, he was standing there at the end of the 05 season going, fuck, who's going to be my halfback? Who have I got here? Had a couple of kids floating around. No one really standing out to be the seven. He makes the shock decision to give their utility, their kind of winger, kind of halfback, kind of 5'8", kind of hooker, kind of second rower, Cooper Cronk, a shot. 
at playing halfback. And, of course, he goes on to be one of the greatest sevens we've ever seen. Without a doubt, a top three halfback of all time for me. And as I've always said when it comes to halfbacks, there's better players that have played seven than Cooper Cronk, but I think he's the best pure halfback we've seen. An incredible player. But it was Orford uh, that was there for a long time in Melbourne. He then moves to Manly. And 06, he arrives there. Does pretty well. 07, they go all the way to the grand final. Now, they lose to the Melbourne Storm. Of course, they lose to Cooper Cronk and his Melbourne Storm, which I'm sure would have hurt Orford a lot after building a lot of the structures down there in Melbourne for this guy to come in, Cooper Cronk, and win a premiership in his second year after playing a grand final in his first year. I'm sure that would have really hurt Orford. But, of course... He was the architect of this fantastic Manly side that returned to the grand final in 2008. He won the Dallium medal that year. He was Dallium halfback of the year as well, obviously. And they go back to grand final day and they knock over the Melbourne Storm, his old team, 40-0. And I think it's one of the storylines that doesn't get spoken about enough that Matty Orford obviously built a lot of the structures in Melbourne, left there, went to the Manly Seagulls. Cooper Cronk stepped in and took that role and did unbelievably well. Went on to be one of the greatest halfbacks we've ever seen. But I think the role that Orford played in this is extremely underrated, and I'm sure Matty Orford, the Ox, 2008 is a day, grand final day, that he will never forget. It's a moment that he got one back on the Melbourne Storm, who went on to have unbelievable success. Cooper Cronk's gone on to be one of the best ever, but that day, that was about Matty Orford. A sensational season in 2008 for the Ox, an unbelievable player. The next guy comes from Matty Quinnell, one of our mates down in Melbourne. Matty, I hope everything's going well, mate. We're stuck in fucking lockdown now. I don't know how you did it for so long. Nightmare. And Matty has thrown around Craig Gower. Gowie, one of my favourites. One of the toughest halfbacks I've ever seen. Um, Gowie was one of those halves that, and I talk about this quite often with guys, but he genuinely is one of them. You could throw Gowie into any era of football ever. Yeah, he was skillful enough to survive now. He was skillful enough to survive 30 years ago, but he was also tough enough to survive 30 years ago. Yeah, geez, he would give some halfbacks nowadays a rude shock. There wouldn't be too many halves uh, that would feel safe going up against Gower with these new punch rules and whatnot. A sensational play, Gower. Uh, 238 games for the Penrith Panthers. Came back in, I think, 2013 to play for the Newcastle Knights, but wasn't fantastic. That was after playing 5-8 for Italy in Rugby Union for a long time. Probably for me, though, you know, you've got to remember Gower. He made his debut in 1996, very young. Then all Super League stuff happened. Um, he won the 03 Premiership, which he was unbelievable in that season. Probably was the Dalian medalist that year, but it's never actually been awarded. It went behind closed doors. Another guy we actually had on the podcast, when the Panthers made the grand final last year, we had Gower on during the week. A guy that I'd love to get on once again and tell his story. Uh, but Gowie, just so he's just tough as nails, wasn't he? He was just built different, Craig Gower. A sensational player. I think people forget. 24 tests for the Kangaroos, playing at hooker, playing at seven, playing off the bench. Made his debut in 99, so only two or three years after his first grade debut, which is incredibly impressive. And I think people forget, 2005, he actually captained the Kangaroos in a game there as well. So a couple of guys missing, I think it was against France or something, but still to captain your country, very impressive. Only played six games for New South Wales, which is surprising considering he played 24 tests. But, I mean, when Gower was coming through 96 to 07, far out. There were some good sevens and there were some really good nines as well. So a really tough gig. Probably unlucky when he came along, Craig Gower, but did have his crowning moment in 03. Got in a little bit of Barney Rubble post-footy, obviously. Uh, had that day out at the um, at the golf club where, fuck, he put on a show that day. Good God. If you get a chance, look it up. Look at the, the bloody baseball card he had that day. Did not miss. Um, but Craig Gower, a champion player, tough as nails, Gowie. Now, that sums up all the guys we had and there's just... One more guy that I want to mention, and this one was thrown up 
on the Facebook page, but it was also messaged to me uh, by a fair few people. And I think you all knew that uh, this one definitely hits a spot for me. And it is, of course, Cooper Cronk. Now, the person that suggested Cooper Cronk on our post was, of course, John Pappas. A few people messaged me as well. But uh, Cooper Cronk, I definitely think he's underrated. I've I've actually already spoken about him a little bit because he sort of plays a role in a couple of these careers, especially Matty Orford. Uh, But Cooper Cronk, I definitely think he's still underrated. I've said a number of times to you guys, he should be an immortal. I said that at the end of the 2018 season, that I think he should be an immortal. And I said, if he goes on to win this premiership in 2019... My God, there can be no question about this guy being an immortal. And Cooper Cronk being Cooper Cronk, you know he did. Simply incredible. You've got to remember Cooper Cronk, to finish his career, he went 2016 to the grand final. 2017 won the grand final. 2018 won the grand final. 2019 won the grand final. He went to four grand finals in a row in his last four seasons and won three of them. Won three in a row with two different clubs. He was the first halfback to win back-to-back premierships since Alan Langer in 92-93. He was also the first halfback to win three premierships in a row since Peter Sterling in 1980-81-82. Just an un... Sorry, 81-82-83 for Sterling there. Simply incredible. But Sterling won it at the same club. Cooper Cronk did it across two clubs. So the last halfback to win three premierships in a row across two different clubs, that's one for David Middleton. That's definitely over the guru's head. But one of the most underrated players we've ever seen. And I mean, when we talk about winning three in a row, only one of them was with Melbourne. He'd already won a handful of premierships before that. He'd already won Dalian medals. He'd already won a Clive Churchill medal. A simply unbelievable player, Cooper Cronk. And people want to tell me he was a passenger in the 18 grand final. God, you don't carry passengers in a grand final. If you're going to carry someone who you consider to be a passenger, they have to be a coach on the field, and that's what this guy was. He might not have had many touches, but the Roosters knew how important it was to have this guy on the field. Trent Barrett, Trent Robinson, sorry, knew how important it was to have this guy on the field. Cooper Cronk, criminally, criminally underrated, and I think my page and all the talk I do about him, I think I've sort of opened up a couple of people's eyes to just how good Cooper Cronk was. I call him the architect of success, and I'll always stand by that. Winning, it's a skill. Cooper Cronk had it. Not many guys have. Thank you to everyone that sent in suggestions today. Tyrese Gibbons, Zach Haig, Jess Reddyback, uh, Michael Ray, Mark Munro, Josh Dean, Brett McDonald, Elijah, Brett McDonald again, and Matty Quinnell. Thank you for all those suggestions, boys. Absolutely loved it. We're going to dive into the forward pack next week. Really, really looking forward to that.